Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, you know, it's not very often, but it happens to me from time to time that I'll, you know, I'll study and prepare and, and get ready or meditate on something all week and, and think, you know, well, this is the direction I'm going to go. And then about the time I get to church, God will start dealing with me with something, you know, about something else. And then during praise and worship, he totally changes it. So this is one of those days. Amen. So I want to, I'm going to take some time this morning to help you. You know, we've taught on redemption. We teach on faith, all these things. But primarily, if you were to kind of nail me down and say, okay, pastor, what is the, what is the real thrust of what we teach and preach here. Well, it's this. It's to help you receive from God. Now, that's on every level. That's on every level. That means on the level of a, of a sinner coming into the service uh, to help them receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. As a, as a believer, to help you receive healing, the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, breakthroughs in your life, finding the will of God. But that's really kind of just, you know, uh, narrows it down, brings it into a, uh, uh, you know, what they say, bring it to a nutshell. Uh, uh, we want to help people receive from God. Because listen, we serve a good God. And our receiving from God is proof of His goodness. Now let me say that again. We serve a good God. And our receiving from God is proof of His goodness. Now, I'm going to teach this morning on how to overcome a, a counterattack or a setback. Because anytime you make a decision to press into the things of God, you've got an adversary that wants to stop you from receiving. Because he knows, he knows that in your reception of that which you're believing God for, the glory of God gets revealed. And anytime the glory of God gets revealed, God gets seen, God gets heard, and God gets experienced. Now let me say that again. Anytime the glory of God is revealed, God is seen, God is heard, and God is experienced. You know, even the testimony of what God does lingers beyond the actual event of you receiving and goes on into the future and helps inspire people to receive from Him. So in understanding that, you have to realize and recognize that anything you get from God is valuable. Anything you get from God is valuable. Now, now, this uh, past uh, week as we were in Ireland, you know, I, I have uh, preached in Ireland on much bigger platforms and stages uh, to, to uh, uh, many, a lot more people. I, I believe in our night services we were running between about 75 and 80, day services about 35 or 40. So it's kind of like it was back in, you know, 89, 90, 91, 92. And Seeing what God is doing there now helps me to very much value what He's doing. I don't know if I valued it on that level back then. It was, very, uh, it was happening very quickly. Uh, there was a great anointing. There was, uh, you know, uh, uh, it was just a pioneer uh, apostolic work is what it was. And, uh, uh, you know, there was an element of God and His grace and mercy there that I don't think we really realized what we were walking in and what we were doing. But now, stepping back, uh, 30-something years later, and now seeing what God is doing and establishing a church there, I so very much value what He's doing. I value the, the couple that came out of Island Church and, and, and are now pastoring there in Dundalk. I value the building that God has given. You know, we, we, we as Island Church are, are part of the only building that any church of this flavor has ever owned in that nation, ever in the history of that nation. I mean, we own it. We don't owe a note on it. We own it. And they're, they're getting it ready right now. They're working in it. They've got a big, uh, uh, what do you call it, those dumpsters out there. And they're cleaning it all out, getting it ready to put the, put the seats in and the Sunday school and all the nursery and everything. And just to be a functioning Holy Ghost church right there in between Dublin and Belfast, Ireland. I tell you, it's a miracle of God. And so anything you receive from God, you've got to, two things. You've got to value it and you've got to guard it. If you don't value it and guard it, the enemy's going to do everything he can do to take it away from you. He'll do everything he can do to steal the blessing of God out of your life. I heard one preacher say years ago, he said, more people lose the blessing of God on a counterattack than they do for any other reason. Because the enemy will always come in and try to try you out and see if you really believe you receive. Amen? Now, I want us to read, a, I'm going to read a portion of Scripture here. I'm going to read three Scriptures. I'm going to give you a different translation of one. And we'll take it from there see which direction the Holy Ghost has for us to go. But listen. I believe this in my spirit. I believe this is the reason the Lord kind of turned my message this morning is this. Many of you in here are suffering under that right now. That you have received something at one time from the Lord. 
And the enemy has either taken it from you or he's trying to do it right now. But the good news is today is going to stop the hand of your enemy. It's going to stop the hand of your enemy. You're going to get back that which God gave you or you're going to stop the attack against that which God is, has given you. Whether it be in your life, your business, your ministry, it does not matter. The enemy always tries to inhibit that which God is doing. Now in Colossians chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 12 says this, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, the Message Bible says it like this, verse 13. God rescued us from dead, from dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He sets us up in the kingdom of His Son, he loves, he loves so much the Son who got us out of the pit where we were in and got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. Now isn't that good? Thank God we don't have to keep repeating the sins we're doomed to repeat, uh, we were doomed to repeat. But then it says this, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness but He's also translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Now notice that again. Who hath delivered us from the kingdom of darkness, but He's translated us, or from the power of darkness, but He has translated us into the kingdom, or into the dominion of His dear Son. Now, many of us could come and stand in the pulpit or take the mic down here and give a testimony of being delivered from darkness. Amen? I mean, from all kinds of lifestyles and, and things that were destructive to us. But listen, it's not what you've come out of that's going to put you over and empower you to keep what God has given you. It's what God has brought you into. It's living in the dominion of His kingdom. Now, the, the, the resistance of your adversary to bring a setback into your life is designed to keep you out of that side of that Scripture. Now let me say that again. The, the strategy, the trap, the, the, the attack of the adversary against your life, your finance, your health, whatever it may be, is designed to keep you out of the translated side. Because the translated side is tied to the redemptive side. So is the delivered. I'll show you that in just a minute. But the translated side is tied to the delivered side, which is tied to the blood. Everybody say the blood. Somebody said, what blood? The blood of Jesus, which is on the, the, the mercy seat of God. And the revelation of the blood of Jesus being upon the mercy seat of God keeps you in the position of living in that translated state. Everybody say translated. Let me just say this. If you're born again, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are not the person you used to be. The Bible says you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. But you have to continually make application of the newness of life that God has given to you, resisting the darkness that you've come out of and living in the light that God has brought you into. Now listen, that, is, that takes effort on your part. You can't just say, well, I, I got saved and, and Jesus is my Lord and saved. I just believed everything was going to be okay. <laughs> I wish it was like that, amen? But actually what it did is it put you into a whole new reality. That wait a minute, there is a devil. There is demon powers. There is a world system. There is my mind. There is the flesh. There's all these things that are arrayed against me. But the good news is, if God be for me, who can be against me? I said, if God be for me, who can be against me? Now, I'm in the middle right now. I'm writing, I'm working on three books. One of, them, one of them I'm naming in honor of Miss Frances Ward, Sister Frances Ward. And I'm, uh, the title of the book is this, You Can't Shoot a Cannon Off a Rowboat. And it's subtitled, A Study in Christian Character. Now in one chapter, I just finished writing this chapter, that's why it's fresh on my mind. In, in 1972, April of 1972, a lot of you weren't even alive then. 
April of 1972, I was sitting on the bucking chutes of a rodeo in Deer Park, Texas. It was the, the year, the, the finals of the, the international, not the, not the big rodeo association, but the international rodeo association. It's a little bit smaller. And I was there to watch the bull riding. And I watched a man named Jack Wiseman win the, 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 the championship of that year for that association on a bull called Black Five. Everybody say Black Five. Now, I was, I was scared to death of that bull. I mean, I, I don't like to use the word death, but that was, that was true. He, uh, uh, there was a rodeo company named Chapman Rodeo Company, and uh, it uh, uh, carried, they had, a, you know, rodeo companies bring their livestock, they bring the bulls, they bring the calves that you rode, the horses that buck, all that kind of stuff. And Chapman Rodeo Company was from Deer Park, Texas, and they carried a pin of bulls in which Black Five was a part of. They had other bulls. They had 77, double off, Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean was cool. They had other bulls like Vanilla 8, all these other bulls. But Black Five, he was just known, and he was not one of these real radical bulls that just spun in a circle like a whirlwind. He went down the arena kicking so high and so hard that all the cowboys wanted to draw him because they could win money on him. But I was in the Texas Youth Rodeo Association. But this is Texas. This isn't Rhode Island. It's not Connecticut. If you're from Rhode Island or Connecticut, well, you know, I don't know what your rodeo association like that is up there. But in Texas, it doesn't matter if you're a peewee or a professional. They're going to run the same bulls and the same shoes for everybody. It doesn't matter. So that year, our rodeo association moved to a show in Pasadena, Texas. And, and, and you know, I, I, you, the, pro, the, the procedure of what you do as a, as a rodeo cowboy is you go to the office. There's a, there's a rodeo office there. They do a drawing. They have a hat full of names and a hat full of bulls' names. And they pull a name and pull a number, pull a name, pull a number, pull a name, pull a number. And when I walked in to that arena, I saw that big Chapman rodeo truck, and I looked in that pen of bulls, and you could always tell if Black Five was there because he stood about that much higher than all the rest of them. About that much higher, about that much wider. I mean, he was very noticeable. And so I walked into that, into that rodeo office and they pulled my name, Russ, they used to call me Russ Martin. They pulled my name, Russ Martin. And then the, uh, the lady pulled, uh, reached the other hat and pulled out and said, Black Five. And I said, oh my God, maybe it's another Black Five. Amen. Now, up until that point, now listen to me, this, this, we want to help you with, with setbacks, counterattacks, whatever it is, that's what we're talking about. From that point, my mind changed immediately. Up until that point, I rode a bull in Lomax, I had gotten some points and rode some bulls over in Angleton. Uh, went to the finals in Alvin. Uh, no, this was before Alvin. Went to the finals in Bay City or one of the other. But I had gathered some points toward the finals. And I was competitive. And I was, I was you know, thinking about how many, you know, what bull do I, am I, am I, am I going to draw? Can I ride the bull? How many points can I get? How many points toward the finals? All of that used to be in my mind until I drew that bull. And when I drew that bull, my mind went from winning to survival. Now, that, listen, that's the point I'm trying to make here this morning. When a counterattack comes against your life, when you get something from God and you've got it, and all of a sudden the enemy begins to shake the very foundation of what you've believed God for, many times your mind goes from winning to survival. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Now, that whole night was a torment for me. I mean, you know, you got to go through the, they, they start with the, the little kids, with the, you know, the steer riding, then the, 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 the bareback riding, then there's the calf roping, the steer wrestling, there's the saddle bronc, there's the, there's the, uh, uh, when the two ropers rope, what's that called? Team roping, then there was the barrel, the, the barrel racing, then the bull ride. It went on forever, <laughs> forever and ever and ever. And I was so, I was so scared, I could not spit. I don't know if you've ever been that scared, but I, that's how scared I was. And so I'll never forget, uh, you know, getting over, you know, standing over that chute. My legs were shaking. I mean, I put my hand in that rope and the thought came to me, what are you doing and why are you doing this? And so I, I got down on that bull. They opened the chute. And for about three jumps, I was there. But the fourth jump, I remember being launched and thinking in my mind, I've never seen rodeo arena lights from this level before. <laughs> 
And I hit the ground, and when I hit the ground, he was on top of me. Thank God for good clowns. Amen. Actually, this January, I ran into the clown that was there. His name was Eddie Gowan. I ran into him in a ranch in South Texas. I couldn't believe it. He walked in there. I said, Eddie Gowan. He said, huh? I said, you're Eddie Gowan. I said, you're a clown. You used to be a rodeo clown. And so we got reacquainted and talked about old times. It was pretty cool. But anyway, he rolled me around a little bit. Clown got him off me. I had dirt down in the bottoms of my pockets. I was beat up and bruised a little bit, but it was over. Everybody say, it's over. See, that's literally where the enemy wants to get you. Into a place where you're out of the winning mentality into a place of survival so that after you've been rolled around a little bit, when you think it's over, you're kind of like, well, you know, that, that's over, so I don't have to deal with that again. Yeah, you do. You do have to deal with it again. So the next week is when we went to Alvin. Alvin back then in 1972, their, their rodeo arena was built on the railroad track, and it was built out of railroad ties. So it was, it was a pretty wild place. And, you know, you'd be, the rodeo would be going on, the train would go, by. You know, it was a pretty wild place. So I'll never forget my friend that drove me. I had a guy that I rode with. We drove from his house up to Alvin. And sure enough, as soon as we pulled up, guess what I saw? Chapman Rodeo Company. <laughs> plastered on the, side of the, on, on the side of the truck. And I didn't even want to look in the pen. I just kind of walked like this. Didn't even want to look in the pen. <laughs> and I did not get to the office. And two cowboys walked out, were walking at me, and they said this. Guess what? I didn't have to guess. You drew black five again. And I'm like, oh, my God. Now, my friend, I'll never forget this guy. Billy Walker was his name. His, his dad was a colonel in World War II, the, the, one of the last cattle ranches in that southern part of Harris County. A lot of what is NASA now is what they bought from that family. And uh, he, he looked at me, and I'll never forget what he said to me. I'll never forget this as long as I live. He said this to me. He said, last week, you had that bull road, but you gave up. And I thought to myself, you're exactly right. That's exactly what I did. I let the trauma of drawing that bull my mindset changed from winning to survival. I just wanted to get out of that arena in one piece. So I forgot all about the competitive side of what I was doing. And it literally cost me. That's the way it is many times. When a setback comes against your life, you cannot afford to have a mindset change. You cannot afford to have a language change. You say, what do you mean by that? You've got to continue to speak your faith. You've got to continue to act on your faith. You've got to continually do what God has called you to do. You cannot afford changes at that point. That is the point in which you must make your strongest stand. You say, why? Because He hath delivered us from the power of darkness and He hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son and you do not want to get out of the translation side of the gospel. Can I get a better amen? amen. So I, I, I never forget, he, we went out in the parking lot. He had an old Impala. We sat in that car, and he talked to me. We didn't watch the rodeo. He just talked to me. Now, there, there was this really wild bull. I don't know where they got this guy from. Uh, um, they stamped a big 77 on him, and they didn't, put a, they didn't cut his horns. So his horns were, were, were just pointy as a pencil. And I drew him in Deer Park about, oh, I don't know, it must have been March of that year, and literally rode him to the buzzer. And they didn't, everybody booed when they didn't give me a score. But that was really one of the rankest bulls they'd ever seen. He said, man, you rode that bull to the buzzer. He talked about 22, a couple other names, a couple other, and he just kept, kept reinforcing the victory. No matter how far back you've been set back, no matter how hard or how difficult the enemy's counterattack is upon your life, you have to continue, continually rehearse your victories. Thank God for the victories we hear on TBN and from pulpits of other churches and pulpits here. Thank God for the victories of your neighbors around you. But it is your victories. Amen. Let me tell you, it is your victories. 
You, every one of you have physical victories. You have financial victories. You have victories in your business, in your education, in your ministry. There are victories that you need to stand on those victories and rehearse those victories into your own ears. Amen. You know, Moses, uh, God told Moses, I believe it's over in uh, uh, Exodus 17, I think is where the scripture reference is. He said, go and rehearse in the ears of Joshua. The victory over the Amalekites. Now, what was God's purpose in that? God was preparing a leader in Joshua. And he was preparing his character to be an overcomer and to be strengthened so that he could go in and possess the land. Listen, there were two sides to what God called the, uh, the, the Israelites to do. They were to come out of Egypt, but they were to go into the promised land. I said they were to come out of Egypt and they were to go into the promised land. That is the same thing that God has called us to do is to come out of the power of darkness and go into the kingdom of His dear Son. Listen, have two crossings in you. Don't be like those people that died in the wilderness that only had one crossing. Make sure you've got two crossings in you. Yes, they had setbacks. Yes, they had disappointments. Yes, they had problems. But they stopped the momentum of God right there at Kadesh Barnea when they believed the report of doubt and unbelief that came and God called it an evil report. Be careful in the setback. Be careful in the counterattack. What you let come into your ears. And it's amazing how the adversary always sends so, some doubt, unbelieving person who questions everything that God's ever showed you, questions every word that's ever came into your heart and it's amazing how the enemy can parade those people into your life when you're going through a setback. Have you ever noticed that? That's when you got to stand firm. Listen, I'm willing to embarrass anyone. Now listen to me. I'm willing to embarrass anyone to maintain the victory that God has given me. Amen. We had some pastor friends. This back in the 90s, a wife was diagnosed with a brain tumor, a malignant brain tumor. And so... You know, the, the, the church began to pray. They began to pray. Uh, she went into the hospital. We, we, we heard the testimony again. Uh, oh, it been a couple of weeks ago. They put it in one of their newsletters. Great testimony. And uh, they knew they were in a fight. They knew it was a life and death fight. And so they put a sign outside the hospital room that said, no wavering. And then they would not let anybody in to the hotel room who would not speak faith. Well, this didn't, that didn't make everybody happy, especially some of the kinfolk. I mean, they were like, you know, well, you got to let us in there. They may die. We got to prepare them to die. I mean, they were just, you know, all this. Then, nope, you're not going in. Nope, not. And it made people mad. It embarrassed people, all kinds of. But then they went in. The day of the surgery came. And they went in and they did the surgery. And guess what happened? They found no tumor. They looked all, they had, they had it on x-ray, they had the biopsy, they had everything they needed to say there's a malignant tumor in this woman's brain. But because of no wavering and because of a willingness to stand in faith, amen, they were able to secure the miracle and the victory they needed. The same thing's true with you. You've got to put a sign over your life that says no wavering. And you cannot let people into your life that are going to talk you out of the miracle that God has given you. That miracle is valuable. That miracle is precious. That miracle may extend your life many years. So I got Black Five and Alvin. And the chutes were smaller, so they had to tie a rope over the, you know, to kind of they crack the gate and, and, and tie a rope. And I don't know if you know the, 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 the feeling, I, I guess you don't, of the calmness of sitting in a chute when a bull is calm, and then when they just crack that gate, when they just, they just, oh, it, go, it goes from calm to bizarro world real quick. <laughs> so I could not get my legs in the chute. And it's either you're going to take him like this or you've got to turn him loose. And I'm like, well, I, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm, Billy had me all pumped up. I'm not going to not take him. I'm going to take him. So I had to stand over him like this with my hand in the rope as they tighten the rope, take the wrap, and when they opened the gate, I had to drop down on him. And the sensation of going straight up. And then he hit, and straight up again, and then he hit, and straight up again, and then he hit. And then I began to hear the crowd. And that, that, that encouraged me. Then I never heard the buzzer. 
What I heard was the clown running next to me hollering, get off, get off, you've rode him, you've rode him. <laughs> but I didn't get off. I kept riding him for what he did to me the week before. <laughs> and I rode him a couple of more jumps in case I draw him next week. <laughs> Amen. Now that one ride gave me the momentum I needed to push me all the way to the finals. See, that's why the enemy does not want you in the victory. He doesn't want you on that translated side because, see, that is your victory. And the problem is too many of us think we have to fight into that victory where that victory has already been given to you. His victory is your victory. His breakthrough is your breakthrough. His taking of your sickness is your healing. Taking of your pro uh, poverty is your prosperity. You've got to make a decision. I'm not quitting. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stay with it. I was very much tempted to quit that after that incident in Pasadena for fear of drawing that bull again. And sure enough, I drew him the next week. But this just, just to kind of help you in a study in character. After that year, I rode another bull in, I think it was Bryan College Station or somewhere else that was a, you know, touted as a, as a... And so some friends of mine were talking about, you know, when you turn 18, you can begin to, uh, uh, you can begin to uh, get a temporary card to begin to go professional. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. I wasn't living right. I wasn't serving God. I wasn't living the way I was supposed to. And I knew it like I knew my name. I don't have the character to do this. I don't have the character to do this. My character is not, a, if, I, if I do this, I'm going to get myself in trouble. And so I just walked away from it. That is why you must understand God it's not so much the healing manifesting. It's not so much the money coming into your pocket. It's not so much all of the other material or physical or, or, or breakthroughs. It's the character of Christ that he's working on on the inside of you. He's trying to get you to a point in your character where you don't walk away. You say, why? Well, the latest victory that you have is not going to be near as great as the next one that you're going to get. Because yesterday's victory is great, is good, and we leave, live in the goodness and the blessing of it. But you may face something next week, next month, or next year that's ten times bigger and are going to really need the victory of God in order to get into that and walk into that. So in the meantime, God is working on your character, working on your character, and He's working in you a reality that will cause you not to give up when the heat is on. Now, real quick, go to... Go to uh, Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll close with this one. I believe it's 1 Corinthians. I get so many scriptures running in my mind when I do this. 1 Corinthians. Let me find it here. Yeah, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now notice this. Verse 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now let me read that again. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common. And, and the, the word man there is actually the word mankind, or to humanity or to mankind. Which means, this is good shouting ground. That means the enemy can only use the natural temptations of life in order to tempt you out of what God says belongs to you. Now, first of all, let's define what your temptations are. Hopefully, you're not tempted to rob the bank in the morning. If you are, we'll pray for you and you'll be delivered of that. Hopefully, you're not tempted to smoke crack, smoke dope, get stinking drunk, do all this. All the other, quote, we call sins of the flesh that we used to be involved in. That's not what this is talking about. You have to understand. Now, now we've taught on redemption and we're going to keep referring to it as we teach on faith and these things coming up in the summertime. But you have to understand, God views sickness and disease and pain as a temptation to his children. Now let me say that again. God views sickness, disease, and pain 
and infirmities, anything that has to do with the physical body being out of whack, he does not view it as a reality. He views it as a temptation. You say, what does he view as a reality? By his stripes ye were healed. God already sees you healed before your body tells you you're healed. God already sees you healed before your doctor tells you you're healed. Amen? God doesn't see anybody in here broke and without money. Because He is the God that supplies all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now people say this, well, Pastor, it's just kind of, it's kind of how you look at it. Exactly right. You're exactly right. You can look at it through eyes of doubt and unbelief and speak doubt and unbelief and you'll have exactly what you say and what you believe. Or you can look at it through eyes of faith and what God has given you in Christ and believe you receive and speak it and have exactly what you believe you receive. It's up to you. But it's just like if somebody came up to you and said, well, do you have the flu? The correct thing would be to say this, no, but I sure have been tempted in the last few days. Amen. Uh, did you get the money that you needed for the down payment on the house? I'm telling you, the enemy is, he's tempting me, but I bless God, he supplies all of my need according to his... See what I'm saying? So there's no, there's no supernatural temptation. It's only common. Because if the enemy could tempt you supernaturally, he would do it. And many times the setbacks... And that which comes against your life when you've received from God, you almost think it's supernatural because you begin to see what God gives you slipping through your hands. You wake up one morning and there's that symptom again. Well, I thought I was healed of that a month ago. I mean, next thing you know, you get a windfall of money and next thing you know, it's all gone. You think, well, what? How, what? I'm right back in the same place I used to be. But that's just a temptation. And listen, oh man, how's my time? If you're only living on the delivered side, it's going to be your reality. But if you're living over here on the translated side, it's going to be a temptation. For years I heard Brother Hagin, Kenneth E. Hagin was somebody that I followed after for many years. Knew him as a child and got reacquainted with him when I got uh, into the ministry. Uh, he used to say, uh, he, got, he got healed in 1933. Incurable heart disease, blood disease. I mean, just giving up to die. Been a 15, 16-year-old boy with paralysis and just reading his grandma's Methodist Bible, Mark 11, 23. Most people know his story. Got raised up and got healed and had 67 years of fruitful ministry. And I'd hear him say, I hadn't been sick since 1933. Hadn't had a headache since 1933. Hadn't had the flu since 1933. Hadn't had a cold since 19... And I used to think, man... That's, you talk about faith. And I, you know, I just, I just couldn't comprehend. How can some, and then when I was in Bible school, he came to Lakewood Church and had a box of Kleenex and was wiping his nose, honking in the Kleenex, wiping his head and said, I ain't been sick a day since 1933. I thought, you're sick right now. But then he said it. He said, that doesn't mean I haven't been tempted. Then he said this, I've passed up some marvelous opportunities to be sick. Amen. Now, did you hear that? Now, that, doesn't that sound a little different than, I'm sick! I mean, many of you that have sat under the ministries for years, you come up to in the prayer line, you don't say, I'm sick. You say, I'm telling you, the enemy's really trying to tempt me with this or that. I like that. That's your faith. That makes it easy for you to receive. Finances is the same way. Now notice this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He knows you're going to be tempted. You're living in an area in which temptation is relevant. Planet Earth, the devil, demon powers, your own mind, your own flesh, the aging process, you name it. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that, you, that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make on a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Amen. Now see, a lot of people misread that scripture and think, well, there it is, Pastor. God just wanting us to suffer and bear it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying with every temptation that comes, he's going to make a way for you to what? Escape, exit, get out of the problem. Amen. Amen. 
You got to look for the exit. Listen, if fire starts out here, don't run into the fire. Find the exit. Even if the power goes off, the exit lines, exit signs stay lit. We got little batteries in those boxes. And if the power goes off, guess what? There's still light in the exit sign. I feel so powerless. I don't think I can do anything. Oh, the devil's just beat my brain. There's still light in the exit sign. It may be as simple as coming to church more than once a month. Amen. You know, you think about that, but you know, you get attacked by the enemy and, 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 and next thing you know, you, you have to deal with it on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, and Friday. And then, you know, on the third week, you think, well, I better go to church. Well, man, you spent three weeks. And you want to come to church and in 40 minutes? I wish I could do that. But that's why you have to value the Word. Value the teaching of the Word. Value the fellowship of the brethren. Value the praise and the worship. Praise and worship that puts you in the atmosphere of God. That puts you in the presence of God. That lifts your spirit. Cause your spirit. Listen, you can just get encouraged by coming to a praise and worship service here. That's why we take it seriously. But now notice this and I'll close. There is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted, above that which you are able to bear, able, but will, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now, if the enemy could produce something supernatural to tempt you with, he would do it. He could put, you know, if you were an alcoholic, he'd put alcohol in your milk jug or, you know, whatever it is. He would do it, but he cannot do it. So he only has the temporal or the common thing. But now here's the shouting ground. God has an uncommon or a supernatural answer for your natural problem. Amen. Now listen, this is where I want you to, if you're, if you're suffering a setback, if the enemy has tried to come against you and take back ground, here's what you have to realize. As supernatural as your deliverance was, as supernatural as the answer was, as supernatural as God's exit sign that got you out of that temptation was in the day that you received your deliverance, God also wants to reinforce His supernatural ability in your life to stay off the counterattack or to get back what the enemy has stole from you. That means you're not going to get it by a natural means. It's going to be by a supernatural means. That means God is going to do something. You say, why? Because He is a supernatural God. Many times when we suffer setbacks or the enemy takes back ground, we start looking for natural ways of relief. Well, I wasn't going to take the treatment, but I guess I am now. No! Well, I wasn't going to go down and get the loan, but I guess I'll go down and get it now. No! Have some patience! Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. Allow God to show up and do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think and take that counterattack and turn it around and you step more into the translation of His dear Son and the blood of Jesus cries out for mercy in every area in which you're standing in faith and believing God for so, in conclusion, the greatest temptation in the body of Christ, go back to old black five, is the temptation to give up. He knows you're not going to smoke dope again. He knows you're not going to rob the bank. He knows you're not going to do any of those terrible things you used to do as a sinner. He knows that. You, you're, you're, you're beyond that. You're a believer now. You're a man or you're a woman of faith. So he is constantly bombarding your mind with thoughts. Thoughts of what? That don't work. That don't work. Look, it's not working for you. You just thought you got something from God. You just, you just thought. You know, you were just kind of living in the euphoria of, of some uh, emotional thing those people did to you. He will, if you allow Him, He will dog your mind with thoughts of doubt and unbelief. That is where you got to get busy. That is where you got to start lifting your hands at your house, in your backyard, 
driving down the road. That's where you got to start opening your mouth. You got to start worshiping God. You got to start praising Him. Worship is really the key. As you start worshiping God, as you start worshiping God, as you start worshiping God, what have we talked about that doing? It tunes you into that frequency of receiving from Him. Next thing you know, you get home and the check's in the mailbox. You get home and there's no pain in your body. You know, most of the healings that I've had in my life and where, and where I had a lot of pain, did you know it took me two or three days to realize I was healed? I'd go a day and I wouldn't even be thinking about it. I'd go two days and think, something's different. And the third day it dawned on me, I don't hurt no more. I wrenched my back one time. And, you know, I always, I always you know, anytime when it comes to sickness or disease, we tell everybody, you pray, you pray, you follow the path of healing. God tells you to go to a doctor. Don't fear doctors. Don't fear medicine. Don't fear truth. You go the path of faith that God has for you. Well, this particular time, I was, man, I was hurting bad. And Lee and I had been married about three years. And, and the pastor of the church that I attended, he and I met for prayer on Saturday afternoons. And so I, I drove up there, and I'm walking in the door, and the Lord says to me, have your pastor lay hands on you. He laid hands on me, and that pain was gone, just like that. Well, I didn't even pay attention to it until about three days later. I thought to myself, you know, I was healed. I, my, I, got, I had a toothache real bad here. Oh, it's been about a year ago. And the Lord spoke to me and said, have Pastor Mark Brzee lay his hands on you. We were at Pastor Sam Carr's church in a meeting. He laid hands on me, and immediately the pain left. And I didn't think about it again for probably three weeks. Three weeks later, I thought, I ain't felt no pain in three weeks. I haven't felt any pain since. It's been over a year ago. Now, you must understand, that's not natural. That's supernatural. And God, as profound, you may have had some tremendous experience. I don't know what. But as supernatural... As your deliverance, as your breakthrough was, it'll be the same in staving off the counterattack or retaking the ground that belongs to you. Don't give up. Don't quit. Tell the devil to shut up. Tell him you're not going to quit. How many remember my I'm not going to quit prayer? Let's do it one more time. I'll, I'll tell it to you. You can do it when you get home. Amen? You go to God, the Heavenly Father. You get to come to Him in the name of Jesus. Amen? And what do you tell, what do you tell your Heavenly Father? You say, Heavenly Father, I ain't quitting. I'm not going to give up. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. And by the way, Heavenly Father, I know seated at your right hand is your Son, my Lord, and my Savior. Just kind of elbow him in the side and tell him this. Rusty ain't quitting. He ain't giving up. He ain't quitting. He ain't giving up. He ain't quitting. He ain't giving up. Now the Holy Ghost, we've got to look for him. Where's he at? He's on the inside. He's, he's on us through the baptism. Say, Holy Ghost. Listen to me. You're in me. You're upon me. I ain't quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Then you can turn to the devil. Say, devil, every demon force, every demon power, you listen to me right now. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. In Jesus' name. Anyone else wants to listen? I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. Then you go to the most important place. Anybody know where that's at? Go to your bathroom. My bathroom, in your bathroom is a mirror. And you point in that mirror, and you look at that image looking back at you, and you say this, you're not quitting. You're not giving up. You're not backing off. God loves you. He's got a miracle for you. This setback is not going to set me back. This counterattack is not going to defeat me. In the name of Jesus, I believe I receive. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. And after you do that, you just lift your hands. You start worshiping God. Father, I worship you. I thank you. The psalmist says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Listen, this is a day. This is an hour for strength and courage in the kingdom of God. And men and women need to rise up in the strength and courage of God. And get what they need from their Heavenly Father and keep it. And if the enemy tries to come get it, he needs to leave your house beat up and bruised. Where he says, I ain't going back to that house right now. Man, last time I went over there, they just beat the tar out of me. Don't be an easy mark for your adversary. Speak words of victory. Think thoughts of victory. Come to houses of victory. Get around people of victory. And make a decision. I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up in Jesus' name. Is that helping by this morning? Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship. Father, we worship you. 
Thank you for your word. Thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. In Jesus' name. Now, ever, ever head bowed, ever eye closed for just a moment, I want to do it like this today. If that's you, you say, Pastor Rusty, that's me. I'm telling you, the enemy has tried to bring a counterattack against me. Against my ministry, against my business, against my mind, against my finances, against my health. But I'm not going to give him. I'm not going to give him what God has given me. I am not in Jesus' name. If that's you, I want you to boldly stand up right now. I want you to boldly stand up. Isn't that good? Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to let everybody get, get, get... Now, I want you to fixate in your mind right now. I want you to get an image. I'll never forget uh, years ago when Pastor Dodie Osteen told her testimony about, about being healed of cancer, how she got a picture that she put next to her bed of when she was healthy riding a horse. And she used to, she said, I used to close my eyes and see myself riding that horse again. Well, I want you to close your eyes and see yourself riding that horse again. Whatever that means to you. Out on the field, preaching the gospel. In the nation God's called you to do, or nations God called you to. Making money in that business. Making money in that business. Making money in that business. The breakthrough in your body. See that medicine cabinet cleared out. All of the different prescription bottles gone in Jesus' name. See the pain and the hurt, whatever it was. See it gone in the name of Jesus. I want you to lift up your hands. I want you to say out loud, Heavenly Father, today I refuse to give up. Heavenly Father, I thank you. The Word encourages me, informs me, and empowers me to be the victor you've called me to be. I will not submit to defeat. I will not submit to that which the enemy is trying to do to me. I will not yield to that which the enemy tries to take back. But I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. My faith is working. My faith is working. Thank you, Father. I will see what my faith produces. I will experience what my faith produces. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I rejoice. I rejoice. I thank you and give you praise that the victory is mine. The victory is mine. The victory is mine. The victory is mine. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, just worship God and thank God for it. Just worship God and thank God for it. Worship God and thank God for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Speak your faith. Worship your God. Stand and believe. Get active in the kingdom. Do that which God has called you to do. Oh, how we worship you, Father. How we worship you, Lord God. How we worship you, Father. You know, that, that mindset change that happened to me in July of 1972 is clearer in my mind today than when it happened. Because I've learned a few things that are spiritual. And it impacted me. That is the number one thing the enemy tries to do when he telegraphs. Anybody know what that means? That's kind of like a, a, a boxing term where a, where a fighter drops a shoulder or or moves his head. We used to use that term riding bulls. A bull telegraphs his movements by his head. That's why you have to keep your chin down watching that point right on the back between his ears because he's going to show you where he's going. He's going to show you. Every the enemy's the same way. Those thoughts begin to come. Next thing you know, you find yourself thinking those thoughts. That's the enemy trying to produce that mindset change in you where you go from victory to can I survive this? Can I, and see, the enemy knows how to be real spiritual. Real spiritual. Trying to get you to think that thinking like that is spiritual. It is not. Amen. You keep your mind in the victory. You keep your mind in the winner's circle. Amen. 
You make a decision, I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to give up, and I'm not going to entertain any mindset change. I'm going to stay and keep my mind. Now, there are times when the, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the battle can be hot. But remember what God calls our fight of faith. He calls it a good fight. That means all, we've already won it because He had delivered us from the power of darkness. But we live in the victory of His dear Son. He's translated us into that dominion. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You today for Your goodness, Your grace, Your wonderful presence. We so value and will never take for granted. We thank You, Father. Lord, as is our tradition and as we leave today, we claim the protection and safety of Your Word. Psalms 91, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation, your blessing and your protection is upon us. Father, we thank you in the righteous labor of our hands, our contractors, our fishermen, our men that work in the plants, our people that work in the medical center, those that work in retail, secretaries, those that own their own business. Thank you, Father. No evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We abide under the shadow of the Most High, thanking you, Heavenly Father, that your protection and blessing are upon us. Lord, as we leave today, we thank you for the door of utterance. Let the fire of evangelism burn an island church. Let us be a problem to the devil, an answer to people's prayer, practicing the ministry of reconciliation and restoration so that men and women might come out of darkness and into light. We leave today walking in faith and love towards you, God. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.